How are we feeling today, United Church? We feeling good? Yeah. Man, I'm so excited for today as we jump into week number two of this series, Running on Full. How many of y'all enjoyed or thought last week was helpful, Running on Full, week one? Yeah. It was uh, absolutely incredible to be able to teach that. Listen, one of my favorite messages I've ever been able to teach, and so if you have not seen that or if you missed that or if today's your first time, I would encourage you to go back and watch that because we've been walking through, we're walking through the book of Colossians, and uh, man, what an incredible way to start last week as we talked about the lordship of Christ. And if you remember last week, we talked about, we set this up that Paul is writing to the people of Colossae, and they've forgotten literally what I just said. They've forgotten that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is over all, He is in all, and everything happens for Him and through Him. They had forgotten all of those things. And so today, we're going to take a look at Colossians chapter. Two, it's going to be absolutely amazing. As I was reading this chapter and as we were studying for this message, this phrase, dead man walking, came to my mind. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, dead man walking? I started thinking about my, my uh, time in college when I was thinking about dead man walking. And there's a lot of reasons that, to enjoy college. I loved college for so many reasons. I met my wife there. That was amazing. I met one of my best friends, Davey, there. It was awesome. But one of the things that I despised about college, and maybe if you've had a college experience, you know all about this, is it was 8 a.m. classes. Anybody with me? The early classes. Yeah. It was, I, I'm not sure, because listen, you're like, 8 a.m. is not that early, okay? But for a 19-year-old, 8 a.m. might as well be 2.30 a.m. Come on somebody. Like it might as well be in the middle of the night because you went to bed at 5.30 a.m. because you were trying to finish, not homework, you were trying to finish that season of whatever it is you were watching. But, but I remember like literally feeling like I was walking to class and I, I was thinking of dead men. I felt like I was a dead man, walking, like just a zombie walking through life. Maybe that's not how you think of the phrase dead man walking. There's so many other ways to think about it. Some of you have teenagers. Exactly. Three of you laughed. You know. And it's like trying to get them to wake up to come to church. Like, hey, hey, baby, it's time, time to go to church. So you start, you start really kind, right? The first time's like really kind. Like, hey, hey, baby, want some, you want some, want to eat some cereal with mommy? Come on, somebody. Like, just, and then the second time is like, hey, 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 it's time to go. And the next time you flip the light on and you're like freaking out on them, right? And then they, they end up getting up. It's the same way with school. Remember when kids used to go to school? It was crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> One day they will go back to school, like 2027. I'm sure it'll happen, but it'll be awesome. But, but I, I just think of the phrase when I, was, uh, when I was thinking about getting a teenager ready for school or getting a teenager ready for, for, for uh, church is this idea of dead man walking. I thought about the student. I remember times where this never happened to me, but it happened to several of my friends when they would get called to the principal's office over the intercom. Like, listen, I'm still in counseling for those times. Uh, Kenneth Wagner, please come to the office. And everybody's like, ooh, like that moment in time where everybody's pointing and they're laughing at you. And you remember that, like it's crazy, like the dead man walking, the, the death row inmate, the person waiting to be fired. And some of you are thinking to yourself, what in the world does this have to do with anything? Like, like how in the world are you going to tie this in? You see, many people wouldn't call how they're living dead man walking, but that's exactly how they're living. I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, I'm here physically. I, I went through the drive-through at Starbucks. I went through the drive-through at Dunkin' Donuts. Like, I know for a fact that I'm physically sitting here. But the cool thing and the interesting thing, not the cool thing, but the interesting thing about Colossians chapter 2 is that it makes the point that this is the case, is that sometimes you can be alive physically but be dead spiritually. Like, there is a possibility in your life that not just a possibility, it is a real thing that you can be alive physically, but you can be dead spiritually. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to jump in there in just 
a second, but Paul turns a corner and he continues this writing. If you don't have a Bible, man, listen, I wanna encourage you to stop by Next Steps. It's to my right and your left as you walk out of here. We would love to place a Bible in your hands free of charge, already paid for by the generosity of the people of United Church. But I believe, I say this all the time, but I believe that the word of God will change your life. And that's why we put it in people's hands because we truly believe that the moment that you get into the word of God, it will literally change everything about your life and it'll make you dangerous. It'll make you dangerous when it comes to following Jesus. But Paul is in Colossians chapter 2 here, and um, it's very clear the point that he's trying to make. So check out Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse number 13. Paul says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, all of our sins, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. And this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Last week we introduced this term that was in chapter number one of Colossians, this, this term reconciled. And it talks about this idea to be restored to friendship or be restored to harmony. And this is what Paul is beginning to say, like through the power and through the work of the cross that we have been reconciled to Jesus, that he went to the cross to pay for mine and your sins. And he continues in verse 15 of chapter two, he says, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And so there's a few things that we see that Paul is emphasizing in this passage in, in Colossians chapter two. Paul is beginning to paint this picture to us that this idea of dead man walking, this idea of spiritually walking but not really being alive is something that doesn't have to be. Come on, that through Christ you do not have to be a dead man walking. He introduces three things that I wanna share with you today that I, will believe, I believe will make you dangerous that I've already talked about to the kingdom of God. That some of you don't know that you have access to these three things. And for 26 people, listen, 19 people at house party last week and seven people on Sunday morning, 26 people stepped into a relationship with Jesus for the very first time right here at United Church last week. I think that's worth celebrating. That's amazing. But, but you got to know this. You got to know what you have access to. Because if you don't know what you have access to, come on, you'll be useless in the fight in the kingdom of God. And we need to be equipped and we need to be ready when it comes to this fight and this battle of following Jesus. And so let me introduce you a couple of those. Check out verse 13 again, the first part of that. Paul says, and you, who is he talking about? And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Check this out. God made alive together with him. You see, this one may be kind of elementary, it may be, um, may, may be kind of easy for us to understand, but the first thing I want you to see that in Christ, check this out, that you are fully alive. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. You are fully alive. We can't forget that Paul is talking to believers in this passage. Like sometimes we read this and we gloss over this thinking that he, he's talking to somebody who doesn't yet know Christ, but Paul is talking to believers in this passage. He wants you to know that you are fully alive. He wants you to be aware that God cares more about living life, you living life abundantly with him through Christ than keeping you down about the life that you once lived. No, you are fully alive. But unfortunately, there's some Christians who don't live this way. Like you've got Christ living inside of you, but you are living in less than everything that he paid a high price for you to live in on the cross. And it kind of reminded me of this. How many of y'all, if you had the opportunity, would love to test drive a Ferrari? Anybody would love to test drive a Ferrari? The rest of you, you're lying to yourself. You would test drive the Ferrari. 
when I was thinking about this, I was thinking it would be the equivalent of knowing that this Ferrari could do 200 miles per hour, and you would not do that because speed limit says 65 on Route 1, but you would try something of that nature, and you would go, you would try to see as fast as it would go, it would be the same as you putting a governor on that thing and doing 35 and putzing around town and just saying, man, this is the best that it will do. Can I tell you that when you have Jesus living inside of you, when you have Jesus who went to the cross to pay a high price for you, when you are, when you are living in less than God's best, when you are living fully alive, it is like having a governor on a Ferrari. You have so much more inside of you. Like some of us today, we need to understand this, that you are sleepwalking through life, that you are living less than what God would have for you to live. And some of you, you need to set the alarm of your soul. You're sitting in here today, and you need to set the alarm of your soul and allow it to sound off, to wake you up, and to bring you back to life when it comes to this idea of following Jesus. There's some people that are watching online today, and, and you're eating those Fruit Loops that Pastor Nick was talking about. Come on, and, and you need to realize that you have fall, you are sleepwalking through life, and you need to set the alarm spiritually and wake up when it comes to following Jesus. Can I just get real for a second? Listen, I believe that COVID-19 has lulled some people to sleep spiritually. I believe that we've seen a Tremendous, tremendous, it is a travesty what has happened. Over 200,000 people have lost their lives to this incredibly terrible thing we call COVID-19. Like 200,000 plus people have lost their life to this, but can I tell you, I believe that the fallout of everything else in regards to COVID-19 has the potential to be far worse than the 200,000 who have lost, because I'm seeing, I'm seeing uh, domestic violence increase, I'm seeing depression increase, I'm seeing relapses increase, and people that I know, people that I love, and people that I care, I'm watching all this take place, and can I tell you that Jesus Christ is telling us today, come on, you don't have to live sleepwalking through life anymore. You can wake up spiritually. Some of you today, you came in here today and you're like, you just showed up because that's what you do on Sundays. You, you came in here today and you thought this was just going to be a pedestrian morning, but can I tell you that Jesus is going to wake you up today and you're going to walk out standing a little bit taller going, I didn't know anything was wrong with me, but I must have been sleepwalking through life. Paul actually wrote a little bit more about this in the book of Ephesians. I thought it was incredible. He actually echoes the words of the prophet Isaiah. He says, awake, wake up, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Can I say it as kindly as I possibly can? Like, we need to wake up. Not, not everybody. Some people are awake, and some people are living, and some people are like, man, I'm doing everything I can. That's amazing. But some people have, we have rocked ourselves to sleep, and we've been disrupted. The patterns of our life were disrupted by COVID-19. And can I tell you that we need to shake it off. This needs to be the wake-up call and say, listen, you may have disrupted, the, the enemy may have disrupted the church, but it will not be a permanent disturbance because Jesus is still on the throne. Like, we've got to awake, oh Sleeper, this thought leader, his name is A.W. Tozer. He wrote this, his commentary on this verse right here, but it's a little bit long, but it's worth reading. Check it out. Pay attention because you may miss it. He says, some of the Ephesians were in a somnolent condition. That is, they were morally good, but unenlightened. He says, they were religious, but unanointed. You ever met that person? Religious but unanointed. That's the people that, like, they know the word of God, but they wield it against you like a sword instead of trying to help you. They're religious, but unanointed. It is perfectly possible for a good, faithful, loyal church member to be spiritually asleep, 
being in a spiritual state that parallels natural sleep. You're not dead. This is talking to the believer. You're not dead, but you are cut off from your environment, all but that which is reflex, breathing, and a few other things. Likewise, it is possible to be a Christian, to be in the church, and yet be asleep spiritually. And then you have to be wakened suddenly. Like somebody has to love you enough to go, brah, brah, brah. That was an alarm. Somebody has to love you enough to stand up for you. Like, he's aggressive. No, no, I love you enough to tell you that some of us need to wake up. He says that then you have to be wakened suddenly. You will probably be ashamed of yourself, angry with yourself, frustrated and disconcerted and say, what's the matter with me? All this time, I was almost awake, but not quite. Like, all this time, I was so close to being awake. I was so close to walking in the fullness that God had for me, but I missed out. Can I tell you what would be a travesty is one day standing before God in our last days and having to give an account for living a life that we slept, walked through. Like, what if today we decided as a church, as United Church, we locked arms, we said, no, we're going to wake up together and walk in everything that Jesus paid a high price for us to have. I thought people would be like, yeah, I'll do that. Okay. Are we, are we tracking today, church? All right. Are we sure? We sure, sure. All right. Check out verse 13 again. Verse 13 says, And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. I, I want to point this out again because there's some people that fall into that, that pattern of like you who were dead, like you've experienced Jesus and you're no longer dead, you're living in Christ. But there's some people that could translate this verse like you who, who are dead in your trespasses. There's some people in here that you've never taken a step into a relationship with Jesus. Like you've never given God all of your life. You've never said, hey, Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins? And can I be the first to tell you, maybe you've heard this before, but I want to be the first to tell you with grace that you are spiritually dead. I don't say it with joy. I say it because I love you. I don't find joy in telling you that, but I'm thankful to God that you are here hearing me say it. Come on, I've met some people in my life who are, who are spiritually dead. They don't know Jesus, and they are more, they have a better moral compass than some people that tell me they know Jesus. Anybody ever been there? Like, man, that's a good person. And I've had some friends along the way that they are amazing people. They would take the shirt off their back, and they, they're just incredibly, incredible when it comes to morals, but they don't know Jesus and can I tell you that you can be a great person but be spiritually dead at the same time? I tell you this because I don't want you to get to the end of your life and think it was about achieving things in order to get into heaven. It's not about what you can achieve, it's about what, uh, what Jesus achieved on the cross. And so that you may be alive physically but you are dead spiritually. Paul talks more about it in Ephesians chapter two, one and two, he says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Jesus actually talks about in Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. I actually had somebody grill me one time. They were like, hey, you, you shouldn't talk about people like being spiritually dead. I don't think that's right. Like, like, that's pretty aggressive. Like, lost, I mean, I can get there. Dead, I'm not sure. But as I read Paul's writings, and I even refer to what Jesus said, that, that we are living in a spiritual condition in which we are dead. Before Christ, it's not just like you were in trouble spiritually. 
Like you weren't just on yellow on the whiteboard of your elementary school class. Like you're not in the doghouse of faith, like spiritually you are dead. But can I be the first to tell you the greatest news ever is that it doesn't have to stay that way. Is that today that all of that can change. Paul actually tells you how, he continues in Colossians chapter two in verse 13 again, then he continues in verse 14. He says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. I love this. Having forgiven us all our trespasses. How many are thankful he, he forgave all of them? It wasn't like a select few. It wasn't like the ones that weren't that bad. How many of y'all know that Jesus doesn't see degrees of sin? Like he just sees separation and also he says he's forgiven us of all our trespasses. Come on, that's great news. By canceling the record of debt, he canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Paul gets aggressive. He's like this, he, he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He said, when, when Jesus was whipped and he was beaten, he was spit on, he was mocked, all of those things were happening. He says, but let, you know what? He nailed your sin and he nailed my sin. The, in Christ, you're not only fully alive. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. You are fully forgiven. And I know that sometimes it doesn't feel like you are fully forgiven, but can I tell you, forgiveness from God is not your choice, it's his. It's because of his love, it's because of his mercy, it's because of his grace. And even when you don't feel like you're forgiven, can I tell you, the truth of the matter is you are. That if you are in Christ, you are fully forgiven. Isaiah, the prophet, he wrote this in Isaiah 43, 25, God's speaking to him. He says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and we'll never think of them again. We'll never think of them again. One of the most beautiful things about God's forgiveness, one of the most amazing things about God's forgiveness, it's not that he can't remember them, it's that he chooses not to. He says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. Micah says this, he says, once again, you will have compassion on us. Speaking of God, you will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. Church, how good is that? That he tramples on our sins, that, that they are nailed to the cross. Like how could God overlook your sins? How could he just move past them? It's because he chooses to. That in Christ you are fully alive, but you are also fully forgiven. Check out verse 15 of Colossians chapter two. It says, he, Jesus, disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is such amazing writing. This is such like this, I love the, the word picture that Paul is painting. He says he disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Church, I have to believe that when Jesus went to the cross, I have to believe that, like, as I've already said, he was beaten, he was spit on, he was mocked, he had the crown of thorns placed on his head. I have to believe when they laid him down and when they nailed through his hands and his feet. I have to believe that people were looking on, they were like, hey, it's over. It's over. This is it. There, there's, no, there's no more to this story. Hey, this guy, he did all these miracles, like people were like mocking him at this time. 
But what they didn't know is what Paul was saying is right there in front of all of them. He was disarming the rulers and authorities, and he was putting them to open shame. He was saying, hey, you may think that you're putting me on display. No, I'm putting you on display. Like, you think this is bad news? This is the greatest news. Because I'm telling you, I'm not only going to be making people fully alive, I'm not only going to tell them they're fully forgiven, but I'm going to show them that they're fully victorious. Because on, after three days, they're going to put me in a tomb, and people are going to come to the tomb, and they're going to see the stone rolled away, and they're going to look in there for my body, and guess what they're going to find? Nothing. Because I'm going to prove to you, and I'm going to prove to everyone that I'm fully victorious. Oh, Jesus, you go to the grave of any other God, you will find their bones, their remains there. You go to the tomb of Jesus. He ain't there. He gone. And I believe that what Jesus was showing us and what Paul was writing about is that no matter where you find yourself in life, no matter what the struggle is that you may be going through, that because of Christ, not because of you, not because you're great, not because you're strong or you're buff or you're mighty, but because of Jesus and the powerful work that he did on the cross and through the resurrection of Jesus from the grave, that you can be fully victorious in every single area of your life. Listen, I know this is... um. It's actually easier to preach than it is to live. Can I just be honest? Like, man, I could get enthusiastic about this, and I can, like, you know, we, we can, man, it's fully victorious. Woo! But there's times in my life, and you can probably relate to this too, where there just feels like there's a heaviness that sits. There's a weight. There's a burden. Can I tell you quite often what it is for me is it's, it's, it's my past. The places I've been, the things I've done, the, the things I've said that I wish I could have back, you're probably like me in that. But it's in those moments I have to remind myself that even when I don't feel it, I have to remind myself that the truth of the matter is that in Christ I'm fully forgiven and fully victorious. Church, how many of you know sometimes you don't feel things, but you have to understand that there's a truth that transcends your feelings? Does this make sense? And so you have to fight. You have to lean. You have to trust. One of my favorite verses, I've shared this so many times, is Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Is that when you're feeling that weight, can I remind you that's from the enemy? And when the enemy begins to remind you of the lies, you begin to remind him of the truth. When he comes at you and tries to steal your joy, when he comes at you and tries to put that weight on you, you say, no, 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 not today. Paul said this in Romans 8, 1. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The message paraphrase, the, the, the condemnation is like a low-lying black cloud in your life. 
And there's times when you feel like you're under the low-lying black cloud, the condemnation that he just continues to remind you. The enemy, we've talked about this before, he interrogates in rooms with no doors or windows, making you feel as if there's no way out. And the beautiful thing is that when we sin and fall short of the glory of God, we're met with conviction. That's what the Holy Spirit meets us with. And then when we ask God for forgiveness, we move on from that, it's gone away. When it doesn't go away, when it sits there and hangs like a low-lying black cloud, can I tell you today, that's condemnation. And Paul tells us there is therefore now zero, zilch, nada, not an ounce, not a cloud, not even a small one for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, you are fully alive, you are fully forgiven, and you are fully victorious. And when you don't feel it, just start speaking truth to yourself. Come on, there's times I, I don't feel like preaching. <laughs> Can you believe that? There's times I don't feel like writing. But I've got to meet the feelings with reality and say, no, no. I understand that I've got to move past that and meet that with truth. Listen, today, I don't know where you received this message on which side of this. Maybe you are spiritually alive, but you've been sleepwalking. Maybe you're spiritually alive and you've been forgiven of your sins, but you don't allow yourself to feel forgiven. You, you hold all of your sins against yourself. Maybe you're on the side of you, you, you're in Christ and you're alive, but you, you feel like this victory thing, maybe that's for other people. No, no, it's for you. Maybe today you're, you're sitting here and and you're like, dude, I've been a great person all my life. I, I would give literally the shirt off my back. When there's somebody broken down, I stop and help them. And that's amazing. I think those are all incredible attributes and characteristics. But you've never stepped foot into a relationship with Jesus to say, Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins? Jesus, would you make me new? Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. And on the third day, I believe you rose from the grave. The things we've talked about today. Like there's never been a moment in time when you've made that decision. Can I tell you that today you are spiritually dead, but I want more than anything for you to step into a place where you can be spiritually alive. And so whichever side you land on, alive, but sleepwalking, alive, not feeling forgiven, alive, not victorious, you're spiritually dead, and you need more than anything to come alive. This message is for you. So for distraction's sake, I would just ask that you would bow your head and close your eyes. If that's weird to you, you don't have to. It's just for distraction's sake. Today, for those people that have never stepped into relationship with Jesus, today you were made aware that you were spiritually dead, but today that can change. Come on, can I just plead with you if your heart is beating out of your chest that you would respond today? That right where you're sitting, would you pray a prayer like this? You don't have to say these exact words, but a prayer like this. Would you say, Jesus, would you forgive me? Jesus, would you make me alive? I confess that I'm a sinner in need of your saving. Jesus, I believe you went to the cross to pay for my sin. And I believe you rose again on the third day to show me I could have victory. Jesus, would you help me to follow you all the days of my life?
with every head still bowed, every eye still closed, I just want to know today, maybe you, you prayed that prayer for the very first time. You stepped into that relationship with Jesus where you are more alive now than you have ever been in your life. If that's you today, would you just throw up your hand? Like you prayed that prayer for the very first time. I want to know who I'm talking to today. Throw it up high because I want to know. Amen. Just know you made the greatest decision that you'll ever make. The second person I want to talk to today is the person that you've had your encounter with Jesus. You've, you know he's the savior of your life, but, but you feel like spiritually you're just sleepwalking. And today you want to acknowledge that. If that's you today, would you just throw your hand up, man, that you've just been sleepwalking through life, that you want to wake up. Today's your reminder. Praise God. It's amazing. You can put them down, but right where you sit, those that just raised your hand, I just want you to encourage, I want to encourage you to just call out to God right where you sit. Say, God, would you help me to wake up? God, help me to walk in everything that you've paid a high price to give me. God, I don't want to be a zombie through life. God, I want to walk fully alive, fully awake. Maybe today you've been relying a lot on feelings of feeling forgiven and feeling victorious. And today you need to lean into the truth that you are forgiven and that you are victorious. Not because of anything you've done, but because everything Jesus did. If that's you today and you want to lean more into Jesus to say, Jesus, help me to lean into the forgiveness that's there, the victory that's there. If that's you, would you throw your hand up right now? Just say, man, I, I need that. So good. And so right where you sit, would you just call out to him and say, God, would you help me to lean into you? And even when I don't feel it, would I trust that it's true? What a powerful day. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done in this place. God, we celebrate. We celebrate those who are dead and are now alive. We celebrate those who are alive, but they've been sleeping and you're waking them up. We celebrate those who have struggled with that feeling of forgiveness, the feeling of victory. God, today, would they trust in the truth that they are forgiven and they are victorious? God, would you change us? We're thankful for your word, thankful for the challenge. We give you all the praise for what you've done in this place. We believe that greater things still in front of us. It's in Jesus' name we pray.